let's pray. It's time for the Scripture. And so, with that, I offer up the prayer for illumination. Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of Your Holy Spirit, that as the Scriptures are read and Your Word is proclaimed, we may hear with joy what You say to us today. Amen. Our readings this morning come from Exodus and Matthew. Exodus chapter 3 and Matthew chapter 16. So, in Exodus 3, it's known as the burning bush. And Moses was reared in Pharaoh's household, but fled to Midian after he killed an Egyptian for beating a Hebrew slave. In the desert, Moses raises sheep, gets married, starts a family. But God still has a purpose for Moses, one that includes his returning to the scene of the crime. Imagine that. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian. And he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. Moses looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see the great sight, why the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, Moses said, Here I am. Then the Lord said, Do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, the Lord said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings. I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, and to bring them up out of the land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And now behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh. In other words, he's going to send them back to the place of the crime. I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, the Lord said, But I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Our next reading is from the Gospel according to Matthew, Matthew 16, 21-28. Following up the acknowledgement of Peter that Jesus is the long-awaited Messiah, Jesus explains to his disciples the specifics of what it means to be the Christ as well as what is required of those who follow the Christ. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But the Lord turned to Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. 
Then Jesus told His disciples, If anyone would come after Me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow Me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for My sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come with His angels in the glory of His Father, and then He will repay each person according to what He has done. Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in His kingdom. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So the reading that I'm working from this morning is Matthew 16. And the particular verse that I'm working with is verse 25. Verse 25 has some interesting words in it. You know I love to do that for you, is to tell you that it's a little more there than the English allows But this verse was, For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Well, it's a bit richer than that. When you go to the the Greek New Testament, what you find is it says something more more like, For whoever would preserve, or whoever is bent on preserving his life, will destroy it. But whoever fully destroys his life for my sake will save it. Think about that as those men heard those words that morning. And they're thinking, what did I get myself into? What in the world? Can you imagine? I guarantee you at least one of those men thought about going back home. That's a powerful expectation. That's a high expectation. If you want are bent on preserving your life, you will lose it. But if you destroy your life for my sake, you will gain it. And you will gain not life as you know it, but eternal life. The question for this morning is, have you found... Have you found your life? Many of us, and I'm not alone, but you think you have life. You think you have life. I, this is a wonderful area to live in. Just like this morning, it is beautiful and comfortable. And who would want to trade this? And we look around us and, you know, it's, it's kind of funny because as I'm teaching you and preaching, I get to watch the traffic go by. And on uh, Warrendale Bain. And it never stops. It's constantly. And most of the people are speeding. And it fascinates me. Like, where are you? There, there, there goes one right now. It's like, where are you going on Sunday morning that you're in such a hurry? Where are you going? You know, we collectively, most of us, really like this life. And we think we're... This is what we should have. You know? And then I look at this and I go, you know, I lived a really, really good life for a couple of decades. I I was a corporate executive and I had a beautiful home. I lived in a gated community. I had fancy cars. I had much of what I see these people live in. And, you know, I love that life. I didn't want to give up that life. But what happened was God had other plans. 
And I lost all that life. Not because I gave it away, but because it was taken away. And when I made the decision to go to seminary, everything vanished. But what happened was that when I stepped into that role, things started happening on the other side. You know, I got a, I got a free ride all the way through seminary. And it was all my needs were met. They weren't much. It wasn't comfortable. But I can tell you that it was a different life. And you know, as I, and I've come here and I end up here, you know, and I hear people saying, I hear, I hear rumors people thinking I'm going to quit. I no way. This is a good life. I know what the other life's like. It's a miserable life because I know what it's like. You know, I always tell people that, you know, how, you get up on Sunday morning and people actually want to hear what you have to say. That's a good life. I can promise you that's a good life. So, but I, what I what I think about is that, you know, it's so easy for us to slip back in that other hurried life. So easy. I got this chance to visit with Sue's father, John Loman, back on, I think it was Thursday. And so, and to visit John, he's at Cranberry, he's at, um, Concordia of Cranberry. To visit him, you still have to sit outside while he's inside. And so he comes, to, he's rolled to the window, and he sits there, and he's on the phone, and I'm on the phone, I got my headset on, and we're just talking. And uh, behind me is Route 228 in the middle of the day. It makes that look like a country road. The trucks and the cars are flying, and they're grinding, and they're making all kinds of noise. And every once in a while, I couldn't hear John. And I'd have to ask him to repeat. And then one time, I finally turned around and go, that, that road is so loud. He goes, yeah, I can hear it too. And he goes, you know what? It's like that 24-7. He says, Route 228 is like that all the time. And he goes, you know what? When I entered here, when I got in here, it went away. It went away. And I said, what went away, John? He goes, all that urgency. It's gone. I don't have it anymore. And he goes, what was I hurrying around about? Why was I not hurrying? He said, he said, I was one of those drivers driving from point A to point B just as fast as I could. He goes, why was I hurrying? It's a waste of energy. He says, I am much more peaceful now in Concordia of Cranberry, where most of us who can race around and drive fast up and down Warrendale Bay, it's, it's like, that's the last place you want to be. But he says, it was an epiphany to know that he could be so happy, so peaceful, if he just removed the urgency. And he says, I... I, he goes, I guarantee you, if we ask those people driving by, they don't know why they're hurrying. They're just hurrying to be hurrying. They, they're just driving as fast as they can. They have no place to go. Think about it. On Sunday, you can hear the traffic here. They're, they're probably going to go get coffee. What's the big hurry? And see, I'm speaking to myself, because I've been there before too. You know, just running around. Point A to point B. Let's get back to Jesus. And Jesus said, 
Whoever destroys his spirit for my sake will save his soul. Essentially, I've retranslated it for you. Whoever destroys his spirit for my sake will save his soul. And I like to think of this as whoever can rid their life of the incessant urgency will save their soul. Whoever can rid their life of that incessant urgency will save their soul. As I spoke to you of John Loman and, and, and as he taught me and reminded me, you know, to, to like, as long as you have that urgency, you have a ways to go. You haven't found that life. And I think that's what it is. Have you found the life that Jesus intended for you? And I think you'll know it when you that urgency is gone. I remember what I had a um, back in 2014. I had an awful event in my life where within eight days. All my parents were dead, and a much-loved father-in-law was dead. They died all within eight days, unannounced, all dead. And I was beyond grieving. I was beyond it. it you, could, you couldn't console me. I was like in this numb kind of bubble. You couldn't reach me. And when I came out of that five months later, I realized, that my urgency was gone. I realized what John realized. And you know how I knew it? It's because I could visit with somebody and never look at my watch. And I could stay there as long as I, as long as I needed to for the, for the visit. The urgency was gone. So I got a taste of that. But also I got a taste of how hurried I'd been. All the way up to the death of my parents. How hurried I'd been. And you know what I think it is? I think it's this, that Jesus brings people into your life. And you can be in such a hurry, you never even see them. You never stop to even speak to them. You might say hi, knowing their name. But the thing is, is that these people are brought into your life on purpose. And the events in your life, in their life, in your life are on purpose. Not that Jesus is doing it to you, but it's like they're there in your space. And for once, back in 2014 until now, I've always been able to tell people the most important person in my life is the one sitting in front of me. And I'll patiently hang out with them. And it feels wonderful. So I get this little taste of what Jesus is leading us all to. So, have you found that life? You'll know you have. When the urgency is gone. It's really simple. As Jesus, as we learn from Scripture, be at peace and know that you are forgiven. It's a wonderful life. Let us pray. Lord, we make our present world in all of its forms of the riches and the recognition and the pleasures and such the objects of our greatest pursuit. And we hurry and rush for it. We want it now. We want the gains of the world now. And along the way, we forfeit our soul. Lord, help us. Because as I said, we all deal with it. And we all move back and forth before it. But give us that, give us that, give us that knowledge and that sense of what makes us peaceful. For Lord, I do believe that's what you bring into our life. And may it be so, Lord, that each person this day, 
Oh, here's my voice. Here's these words. And read your word. Somehow this day, may they too realize, acknowledge, recognize a peace which only you can provide. A peace that lacks urgency. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.